Thanks for listening to Faith in the Fast Life. I'm Nick Orta. I'm your host. On this show, we look to break down the stereotypes of what the Christian looks like to the world by receiving testimony of action sports athletes and other athletes and just individuals across the world. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and fastlifeministries.com to give. Hope you enjoy this episode. So awesome. We're here on this uh, beautiful morning. We have Judd Heald with us, professional skateboarder, uh, owner, operator, untitled skateboarders, un- untitled skateboards, untitled skateboarders. Um, that probably won't get edited out, so we're just going to roll with it. Right. It's, yeah. it's perfect. I mean, well, that, I'm actually the founder because it's a nonprofit. You can't own yeah. Uh, I don't own it, so I can be fired from it, but everything's at my house, so they just, I don't know what they would do. They would just <laughs> this has to be a board decision. <laughs> There's going to be a board meeting, yeah. no pun intended. As we get this morning rolling with a bunch of dad jokes, it is so awesome to uh, have you here this morning. I'm so glad this worked out, and uh, big thanks to John uh, for, for connecting all the dots to make this work out. Have you in studio this morning? And like we say, man, none of this is scripted, so it's just about hearing your story. Like someone out there needs to hear it, so tell us. Yeah, uh, I mean, I grew up in Maine on a farm. I was really attracted to skateboarding pretty much in kindergarten. By like halfway through the kindergarten year, they kicked it out of school. They're like, this is not happening at school anymore because we bring our skateboards, skate at school, and they just were like, no, this isn't happening, but it wasn't too long before it was just, you just had to be rebellious to skateboard. And just, if you wanted to skate, like nobody wanted you on their property. And, and then, but I worked on the farm. So I started building ramps at my house. And, and then after a couple of years of having it at my house and I built this mini ramp out in the, in our sand pile out front, I we had this huge sand pile out front for some reason. And, uh, I finally was, if snow was happening, I think the second year I had my mini ramp up and I was like, I can't take it anymore. It's got to go in the barn. And I just like tore it all apart. My mom came home and she's just like, what are you doing? I'm like, I can't take it anymore. I can't take the winter anymore. And, I, and the shovel on the ramp and the ice and I can't take it. Cause I grew up in Maine and it's just like five months of dealing with snow or ice and weather. And so we have these awesome hay barns being that we grew up on a farm. And I decided that space needed to be occupied by my mini ramp which I'd already had a mini ramp in the barn, but I needed my main mini ramp in the barn. Cause I had, I had at one point I had like a outside mini ramp and inside mini ramp, but the inside mini ramp was a little bit small and I wanted the outside mini ramp in the inside. So I just Got took over. Indoor, indoor skate park. I had an indoor yeah. skate park. Yeah. At this point. So that was like, I think about 13 or 14 that I uh, commandeered the, the whole barn and just took it over. And so they would put that, we'd put the hay in, I'd stack it up all, all tall after, uh, we get all the hay in and, you know, there'd just be like a 30 foot wall of hay and you kind of, you know, run into the hay and sometimes it fall on you. You'd have to stack it back up, but it got better as, as, as the hay went away for the year, I had more place to skate, but, and then of course, you know, summer would, would happen and then you'd be back outside. But so yeah. was your, was the family pretty supportive of that? You just kind of, my dad was into no it an answer. just in, you know, just let Jed, what he wants to do. He would buy us like three wheelers, four wheelers, you know, he worked, uh, oh, ways down the road. So he was just, you know, traveling, would see these roadside deals. And so we always, I always had some sort of motorized machine to like rage around and, and yeah, just pretty much just jump those and jump those and then skateboard. And then in the winter I would snowboard. And my, for me, snowboarding was, I like snowboarding, but it was just always cross training in my mind. It was like, okay, I'm going to snowboard. I'm going to learn things on my snowboard and then bring it to skateboarding. Cause it was always really just about skateboarding for me. It's just snowboarding was, you know, 
a way I could jump off the roofs and I could build right. jumps out of things that you just can't, well, I could, can't skateboard off that, but I could snowboard off of that. And so actually my first picture in a magazine was me snowboarding off my neighbor's like full, like the dairy farm, big, huge barn that you like see. And it's like, you know, 50 foot tall. I, you know, snowboarded off that roof into this big snow pile I had made with a tractor. And so that was actually the first uh, picture I got in a magazine. But incidentally, it was beside the picture of me breaking my neck snowboarding from the year before, because that's what really happened that, that the Lord grabbed my life because my life was out of control. And I mean, even in junior high, I was telling the, the, the principal, like, look, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you tell me. Like school is getting in the way of what I'm trying to do. Like, I just want to be, I want to be a professional skateboarder. And they're like, Judd, like you live in Maine. You need to have realistic expectations of what you're going to do with your life and where you live. And I was like, no, I was like somehow, some way, that's what I'm going to do. And, and so I tried to quit school, but he's like, no, you, you can't do that. You need to stay in school. And, I, and I'm thankful for that. I mean, he definitely like poured out more than, you know, expected for a principal to keep me in school. And, and that, you know, I'm thankful for, for, for my principal for, for doing that. And even like to the point where I got in a fist fight with him and, you know, he sent me home and then brought me home later, brought me back with my parents and like, okay, like how are we going to keep Judd in school? But um, getting back to, you know, snowboarding, uh, I, I fell on a, actually a school field trip, fell 16 feet onto my head snowboarding, was like jumping into a snowboard half pipe. And then uh, I broke my neck, like just kind of spun weird one time, dropped my shoulder and you know went off canter. And I never recovered and just all the way to flat because we were just, you know, hey, you know, jump a little farther, jump a little farther, jump a little farther. And well, that time when I jumped to flat, I just happened to be on my head. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, broke my neck, got up, rode down, on the way down did jumps on the way down, J- jump jumps. I hadn't jumped on the way down. Actually, like backside winning this like 15 foot flat gap with a ditch at the end. Cause it was early season. They had all these like runoff ditch to get the snow and water out, but it didn't fill in until the winter got better. And so these ditches were all prevalent, but we were like setting up bumps, like to like, you know, make gaps. And, and yeah. I'd like backside one, any of this thing that had I come up short, I mean, that would have been it for sure. Cause I'd fallen 16 feet on my head. I had a broken neck. So you, so to clarify it, so you, you fell uh-huh. Broke your neck, but continued to ride. Well, after. I had to get down. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, because it's just like skateboarding, snowboarding, whatever. I mean, you fall and you're like, yeah, that hurt. Okay, well, everything seems to work, so you know, let's keep rolling. You know, and you just just deal with it. And so, I went down. I got in line. It was it was towards the end of the day, so it was like the lift was going to shut at four. You know, it was like three thirty. So I get in line. L- lift wouldn't go. It was brand new, super quad. They just put in wouldn't go, wouldn't go, and I was like. Guys, my neck hurts too much. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into the lodge, and so you know, hope you hope you get another run. As soon as I get out of the line, the lift starts going. Okay, whatever. Well, I had an appointment to go get a tattoo that night, so th- when they came down, I went. I got my ta- tattoo, and then the next day, I'm carrying this 15 uh, speaker box out to my friend's car. It's got two 15 inch JBLs in it, you know, just so big, huge speaker box. I'm carrying it out past my dad, and um, oh, I forgot. We went to the chiropractor the next morning because. My neck hurt so bad I didn't want to go to school. And so they took x-rays. And then as I'm, later that day, as I'm um, doing it, they, uh, the, the specialist calls because he looked at the x-rays and was like, ah, you, you know, you have a fractured vertebrae in your neck. That's bad, huh? So, I mean, and then the, the chiropractor had actually pushed on my head hard enough when I was there. He said, when I walked in, he was like, oh, you know, your neck's out of line, your back's out of line. Well, how can you tell that? Well, because of how you walk. And I was like, well, my ankle sprained from skateboarding. So, 
you know, like I kind of limp along and just deal with whatever injury until that one hurts less and yeah. work on the next one. And it's kind of like the life, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of deal. With, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like right now I, I, I've realized I, I, for the last couple uh, months, I've been clapping switch uh, at church <laughs> because my, I, the first day I went to wood to uh, Royal this year, I'd built this park, this new park and I fell into one of the ramps and just split my palm open. So I had to start clapping switch because you know <laughs> the regular clap wasn't working at church, but uh, yeah. So, you know, so you just, I just like, I've been trying to like, Remember, yeah. like, no, I actually clap this way. I don't clap this way. Yeah, you know, I'm going to gonna encourage all the listeners to practice uh, clapping switch. <laughs> when you go to church this weekend, you practice clapping switch. And yeah. You see how awkward that feels. Yeah, no. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, even like a couple weeks ago at Royal, uh, I f- jumped over this thing, and I realized I wasn't going to make it, so I kicked my board away. But my board just bounced perfectly and landed all the way down the ground where I needed to put my foot and I just died the death of complete slam to the ground, like to the point where my whole body kind of cracked. And so I just kind of went straight to my like butt tailbone area. And so it's, it's now like I kind of, I have feeling back now. And, and so I've been trying to like, that's typically the side I roll off of first. And, and so now I can't like roll off of that side right now and have to like try to bounce to the other side, which is, it's just awkward when you're, you know, when you have years of, you roll yeah. this way, and then okay, now don't roll that way. You, you have to yeah. instantly, before you inflict more pain on the part that hurts, do something different. Yep. It's a, it's interesting. So, anyways, um, yeah. So going back to the the lift. So you went to the chiropractor. No, I'm at the chiropractor. He tells me it's a, uh, you know, like look, you're you're out of line because of you know because I can tell, and I'm like ankle sprained, and he's like, well, I can tell. Okay, so he comes behind. Me. He's a big guy. I know I'm a big guy now too, but. Um, he likes towers over me, pushes down on my head. How old were you at this point? I was 18. 18. I I just turned 18. So it was January 25th. And yeah, I I was, I turned on my birthday's 23rd and this was like, yeah, I'm going to go snowboarding on the school field trip. And that's like, you know, yay for my birthday. He pushes on my head hard enough to, so I can feel it in my knees. He's like, does this hurt? Yeah. I told you I fell 16 feet on my head. I didn't go to school today because my neck hurts. Of course that hurts. He's like, well, let's take some x-rays. Okay. So after the, the, they get the x-rays back, you know, he doesn't want to mess with my neck. He just adjusts my back that day and sends me home. And then I proceed to, you know, be walking through the set of 15-inch JBLs. And, and as my dad tells me, hey, you, you have a ver- fractured vertebrae in your neck. Like, okay, well, that's, that's bad. So that basically kind of set me on a thing where at that point in my life, I would kind of like, I didn't get into drugs until I was done skating that day. Like I smoked a lot of weed at that point and it, I kind of just held it off. I was like, cause I, I really had a conviction that I wasn't supposed to be smoking weed. Like I just growing up in the church, I just knew like this, I wasn't supposed to be doing that. And I just knew. And so I was like, I felt like if I smoked, then the Lord was going to like judge me for it. And rightly, I mean, not every single time I've ever sinned has the Lord like, broke me off, but when I deliberately sinned and continued to skate, the odds of me getting hurt that day were like near 100%. And it, and I don't know if it was like something distracting, but you know, the Bible says the Lord disciplines those he loved. And I believe that the Lord had has a, you know, huge calling on my life. And I was walking in disobedience uh, away from him. So I, I you know, I, there's so many times when I would just like, if I would smoke that day or, or I would like, you know, 
look at something I shouldn't have been looking at or doing things I shouldn't have been doing, uh, the odds of me getting hurt that day were like very high. And so I always tried to like push it after, after I skated. So my, my, my thought is, so you, 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 you always like making deals with God, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I see it like, okay, but if I do it after I skated, somehow there's a reset for the next day and the Lord doesn't kill me the next day. I can like get away with it. And so I had this like thing going on in my head. Like, if I smoke after I skate, then I won't get hurt. And so I would do that and I would like push it off and, and smoke after I skated. And then once I broke my neck, it was like, well, there's nothing to stop me. And so I just... My best friend was like dealing most of the weed in the town. And so he was down to like anytime I wanted to smoke, I would just hang out at his house. And then you started you know, tripping and doing all stuff with a halo on. It's really weird to trip with a halo on. You just kind of start out in a box because with a halo, you have these carbon fiber rods that go upside you either side. And you have the ring and these kind of bolts that stick out ahead of you because they go in your skull. And so it's a really awkward uh, thing already. But then to trip in that is really not a good idea. Just and to clarify for the listeners, he's not talking about he's an angel with a halo over the top of his head. He's talking about his head is in this crazy brace thing with yeah. screws going into his skull. If you've ever seen someone like who's had like a major accident, uh, they can have it. You can have it on the leg, to like a like a fracture yeah. that's like a spiral fracture, and they need to like hold the different parts together in, in one place to till it kind of mends back together. Or you break your neck and you, just so get you these, can't turn left or right. right? Uh, you, you can a hair, but it's, yeah, it's, I mean, and it's essentially it's like if you were in a chair and you just, all your movement was like with the chair, that's yep. how you look. So I drove with that on. It's really weird because you'd have to hop, <laughs> to, you know, it's like, look, and then you never check twice. Look once and go because you, you just, to get back around to the other side, you kind of hop in your seat one way, you hopped in the seat the other way just to kind of get and look. And I wasn't supposed to drive, but I did. Yeah. And I wasn't supposed to ride my mountain bike on ice to school, but I did. And the only thing about the halo is um, you go outside and it get cold. So you might, you might go somewhere and you do, you're outside for 20 minutes, but then you come back inside and then you start warming up, but the halo is still frozen. So you ever had an ice cream headache? You know, like yeah. it's like terrible. Well, it can go on for like 20 minutes because the halo is frozen. Like it's, you know, it gets and like it's cold and then you screw it in the skull. And the other thing is you don't definitely don't want to get zapped by an electric fence when you have a halo on. Cause that's terrible. Cause you know, like electricity travels around, you know, kind of like around the outside of your body or, you know, one point or the other, but with a halo on and some reason the bolts in the skull, I grabbed a hold of the electric fence one time and I, I was just instantly like 12 feet away from where I was just standing. I could just jump like this berserk jump and it just, I don't know. I've, I've been shocked by electric fence like multiple times. So nothing I, weird like that I happened. I have to know though. Like, did you try it on purpose? No, no. It's just, it, you know, I just, I had it on for like five months. So it, it just happened, you know, like, ah, and you're just, but yeah, I got <laughs> the worst shock of my life was when having a halo on. So if, you know, if you're doing, if you have a halo on, I don't, I don't recommend any electric, electricity, yeah. you know, stay away from electricians. You shouldn't play with, with electricity when you're, uh, when you have a halo on. Yeah. That's, so. a, that's a fun side note. Yeah. That's a good so, one. <laughs> Yeah, so, so through that whole experience, and we've we've gone along along a kind of rant. Hope you edit out this all, make it way better than it's been because no, this uh, is this is what makes it. This <laughs> is why this is what it is. This, this is the fast life right here. So, God showed me a year before that happened. My life was out of control, uh, and and in I had a dream it was really one of two nightmares really that I've had where. Um, it was just so real. You knew this was pertaining to, to things that were going on. And in the accident, uh, in the in a dream, I was in a car, my dad's truck, and I was racing somebody. 
And then the lights went out and I knew I was going to run into something. So for some reason in my head, I was like, I need to take this sideways and not take it head on. And as I pull the car sideways, there's all the screeching of the car and, you know, just like there's no lights because the lights have gone out. And I fall over onto this blanket that was in another truck that we were, you know, me and my brother sat on this blanket or this was like a pillow in between two bucket seats that always just had this one shawl, like, you know, like the blanket that you can put your toes through that grandma made. Um, so there's like this blanket in between the seats that I fall over on as this car accident's kind of happening or about to happen. And as I fall on that blanket, there's a pit bull underneath the blanket. It's like, raw, 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 and it's just like, Oh, and it's like right at my neck, like just about to like get my neck, but this blanket's protecting me. And so I wake up and it's, you ever have a phone ringing in your dream? It's just like ring, ring. Oh, the phone's ringing. You need to pick it up. Okay, hello. Well, that's what it was. I was like, oh no, there's, there's gotta be a car accident outside. And so I go to my window and it's just summer and there's frogs in the pond. And I, I don't hear anything. Wait, there's, there, there are no pit bulls in our, in our neighborhood. This there's no way that, okay, this didn't happen. And so I went and laid back down. And for some reason, I just can't get anything close enough to my neck for my neck to feel right. And so this was like the, you know, the summer before this all happened, but my neck just fell off right exactly where they took bone on my hip, stuck in my neck, fell off. But that also in the dream, that's exactly where this dog was trying to get me. And so, I, you know, I, I don't think anything of it at that time. It's just like crazy dream. Time goes by, I break my neck. I'm at a party because I am not making good decisions. When I have, once I have my halo on, I'm partying. I'm just doing whatever, going whatever. I can get to a party, end up at this party. And I go to that guy's house, and I, as soon as I open the door, and I've been there before, no problems. But as soon as I open the door with the halo on, it's like, you know, FedEx or UPS shows up at your house and your dog's like, oh, 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 oh. you're just like, I want to kill this guy. Like, I don't know what the deal is about this guy. He's got a uniform on. I want to kill him. And so the halo is about the same thing. They don't like halos. And so <laughs> the titbulls did not, I mean, he just came at the glass and I'm, I slammed it in his face and it was like, whoa, dude, like your dog's freaking out. And he's like, sorry, man. He's like, just hang out at the outside party and, you know, I'll put him on a chain if I come out with him. So he does, comes around and there's a lot of people at the party. So it's like inside, it's outside. It's, you know, one of those parties just all over the place. And the, the dog gets near me, gets a scope on me and launches at me like with, and he has to like yank him back with a choke chain. So as it kind of dies down to, you know, people that just pack out the house and I'm one of the people that's still there, he's like, you know, don't worry about it. I'll put my dog in my room. You'll be cool. Like, you know, come on in. So I go in and I'm hanging out with my friend and we're talking and we're about the, you know, the center of a, of a double wide trailer. And I see him open the door and I just, the dog darts out. And it wasn't like a second later, the dog basically kind of like moved through the crowd and just launched at my neck. And my friend said he was like, right, like just up in my neck. He's like, and then you were just gone. Because basically I saw the dog and then I blew out of the house. I, I knocked over three people, went through a gl through that glass door that I shut in his face earlier and then hit the back of an eight foot wide deck, slid down and said, where's the dog? Now, I don't know how many times you've had like a dog after you or especially that close, but it doesn't seem reasonable to lose a dog. Like once the dog is on your trail and you run from a dog, like running is like, yeah, game is on. And, and dogs don't, especially like pit bulls, like pit bulls, like once they have their mindset on something, it's like, I'm going to get it. And so it, had, I, had I been to the side and not gone through the door, you know, just any little thing, had there been someone that actually, you know, 
didn't, I then just didn't blast out of the way. That dog would have got a homie for sure. But um, I just feel like as the hand of the Lord just moved me out of that place because that was some place I wasn't supposed to be. And, you know, sometimes the Lord has to so radically grab your attention. You have to go through a situation. You have to get to a terrible place where you've just lost everything you hold dear to you. And for me, like when I broke my neck, I got to the hospital. They told me, you know, look, you know, you may never skateboard again. Like I cried the whole way home because that was the only thing that mattered to me at that point in my life. I just wanted to be a professional skateboarder. I wanted to leave school. I didn't want this whole main thing, this whole being on a farm. Like it's great. I, I'm, you know, this is where I'm making money to buy skateboards, but I'm out of here the second I can, can get out of here. And now I'm 18 and I have a broken neck. And this is like, I'm just about out of here. Now I'm like dealing with Halo. Now you're telling me I might not be able to skate. Like my whole life is like gone. Like, I don't even know what to do with my life. So I just party, party, party. And the Lord had already showed me my life was out of control even before I went all in. And it took me about two weeks after that experience to realize, like, God showed me. Like, he told me. He told me this was going to happen. But I wasn't listening. And I just, you know, as you're sitting there, you're listening to this, like, are you listening for God's call in your life? Like, are, do you have any idea what you're up to, what you love, what you care for, the things that God has put on your heart? And are you opening the door to say, God, what do you want to do with my life? Because it just seems like when I look at Scripture, it says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. I already had the passion in my heart. The Lord already put it in my heart because the Word says he's prepared good works for you to do in advance, right? So he puts those, you know, the gifts of God are irrevocable. Like, he gives them to us. Like, all right, I've given you a gift. You know, so there's the parable of the talents. You know, this person had a talent, and he went off, and he, you know, and the, the whatever, the Lord or the, you know, the guy gives the different servants talents, and, and he goes off to be, to seek out being the king of the land, and, and, and then they either put it to work or they didn't. So the one that had, you know, three put it to work and, and he gained six when, when the master came back and the one that had five put it to work and he had he had, had 10 when he came back and, and he says, you know, you good and faithful servant, you know, come and be in charge of three cities or and, and the other one's like, be in charge of five cities. And and so the one who had one said, look, you know, I buried this in the field and uh, I, I knew that you were a hard man, you know, reaping where you didn't sow. And, and so I, I, here's, your, here's your money that you gave me. And he's like, you wicked servant, take him out and throw him into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing teeth. And, you know, it's like, whoa, like, it's gnarly. Like, and Jesus was very, like, look, we're given gifts. And um, the thing is, we're supposed to put those to work for the kingdom and to hide that gift in the ground, basically to know the gospel, to know that Jesus has set you free and to not bring that out and tell people. It's just like, how could you? You wicked servant that's what jesus says to this guy he says you wicked servant and so if we if we know what god's done for us and we're not willing to go share it um yeah we we're the lukewarm christian and he's jesus said i'll spit you out of my mouth and so when i got wind of that god had told me i i I was out of control i gave my heart over to the lord like i'd already I mean, whatever, I'd already accepted Jesus as Lord, but I was living in rebellion. And so there was a point where I just said, all right, God, I'm yours. Um, my neck actually wasn't healing. And so because I was too active, because I was bouncing around, my neck wasn't healing. And I was keep going back, keep going back, keep going back. And they're like, it's not healing, it's not healing, it's not healing. And they're like, all right, your neck is now out of a line. 
um, either by the next time, next appointment, if your neck hasn't started healing, we're going back in, we're doing plates and screws in the back of your neck, and yeah, you're having a second surgery. And that was just like, it's been this long, and now I'm going to start over. And it really defeated me, and then I just went home and I'm like, God, I, you know, I know I'm supposed to use this for your glory and for your honor. So if you want me to use this for your glory and for your honor, God, I've got to be able to fall down and I've got to be able to get back up. I've got to be able to take a slam and keep going because if I'm going to do this for your glory and for your honor, I mean, I can't be halfway. I got to be all in. And, and so, Lord, will you heal my neck right so that I can take a slam and keep going? And <laughs> I just felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to start sleeping on my face because my neck was actually like it was, it was forward. So the, the, the fracture had slid forward. And so I said, felt impressed to start sleeping on my face, which I was supposed to sleep in a chair, not like putting any pressure anywhere, but I didn't. I was like laying on my back and laying on my neck or whatever. And then by the Holy Spirit, I felt um, the thing like, yeah, you don't want hardware. Like hardware would be bad for you because when you go to airports, you're going to deal with security and these problems and questions about and this hardware. But here's the thing, guys. I had never been in an airport before in my life at that point. I had never flown. And just the Holy Spirit was putting that in my mind. I mean, I, yesterday I got a call. Hey, Judd, can you go do this thing? Can you come grab my truck? Drive it to Montana so we can do these events. Like, yeah, I can do that. And so instantly, like within 12 hours, I'm getting on a plane. And so I can do that now with no issues um, because that's what the Lord has prepared me to do. And it's funny because that, that situation, I didn't, have, I didn't have any clue my life was going to be like that. And I got to the, the hospital um, and they, they checked, and they were like, whoa, like your neck's healing, and it's perfectly aligned. And so, I mean, God healed my neck. Like, there's no other way to say it. God pulled me out of the way. There was a, he had a blanket of protection over my life to keep me from things that wanted to kill me. What, what does Satan come to do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your dreams. He wants to kill the life that Jesus has redeemed and given to you. And he wants to just take everything away that you could dream of to just— ruin you. And if you continue to follow after sinful ways, that's what's going to happen in your life. You're going to miss your calling and you're going to stand before the Lord. It says in that day, you know, he will wipe away every tear, right? You know, talking about being in heaven, right? He'll wipe away their tears and you know, there'll be, you know, there'll be no more crying. But just think about standing before the Lord and him revealing all the things you could have done, all, all, the, all the victories you could have had, like how you could have brought this person to the Lord, that person to the Lord, had you been bold, had you listened to the Spirit when he's, you know, when he spoke to you. And um, I've been in situations where God speaks to me, and he's like, speak to this kid right now. Like I was in, it was called uh, Red Wing, Minnesota one time. We were doing an event there, and we're going to do a demo and preach the gospel the next day. So we were there a day earlier. Uh, it's like a Calvary Chapel that brought us out. And um, just go and skate the park to kind of like get a feel of the park before the event the next day. And I'm skating, and this kid sees my board, and it says Jesus on it. It has for, like, I don't even know. People come up, like, how many years have we had Jesus on my board? Like, I don't even know now. It's just, like, pretty much the whole time. I'm just, once I realize I need to stand for the Lord, it's just, like, it needs to be out there. People need to see. People need to, like, know. People need to identify me with Christ because I'm his. I'm his vessel to be used to bring glory to his name, to point out the fact that we need to be saved, that he is our only hope. Like, so I just, anything I could do, like shirts, whatever, I just— I just want to be bold for Christ. And so this kid sees it on my board, and he's like, he thinks he's going to josh me. And so he's like, oh, Jesus, what are you, religious? And I was like, (laughs) 
you just stepped into it. You know, it's like, <laughs> and so I just like, gotcha. I, start, I, start, I start sharing with him. And, you know, I'm, at this point, I'm just like, I'm going to share the gospel tomorrow. I'm just going to like give this kid a hard time, you know, like just really wind him up. And, and so I just start, you know, like say, oh, so do you think I'm religious because what? Like I go to church every week? Like, so really religion just means repetition to you. Like there's nothing behind that. There's just, it's just repetition. Like you have no context for it, right? You know, and so the Lord said, I mean, I heard it, share the whole gospel. And I was, you know, normally I don't just like blast someone immediately. It just like, usually doesn't go that well. Um, but the Lord said, it. I mean, it was clear, just share the whole gospel. And it wasn't like some voice that like came from heaven, but it's just like within my being, if Christ is in me, if his spirit is within me, his spirit can speak to me. And if I'm listening, if I care to hear that voice, if I'm tuning in and saying, Lord, I want to, how do you, you know, use me today, then I'm going to hear it. And so... I share with the kid. I mean, he's standing on the cope and trying to drop in. And I just share the whole gospel with him. Like, didn't give him a second to, like, respond, to, you know, to go away. It's just like, I, I have his ear. And, and then I was like, this kid's about to receive Christ. And, and I was like, is this something you want to receive? And he dropped in and avoided me the whole rest of the time I was there. And I'm like, well, that didn't go how I thought that was going to go, God. But, so we did a demo the next day, preached the gospel. Enough people made decisions. I didn't know that that kid made a decision that day. And, you know, we did the follow-up. People in the different ways got names and, you know, like to get them involved with the church. And so I, we, we left that day. I mean, we do events and then we share the gospel and then the church comes in and, and surrounds those new believers, hopefully. And, and, and we go to the next thing the Lord's calling us to or go home to our families. And, and that's just kind of like what we do. And I get an email about a month later from the lady who had run the event that uh, that, that kid had passed away at the skate park. And so what had happened is he was skating the rail a couple feet from where I shared the gospel um, to him. And uh, he fell on the rail, you know, kind of between the legs, and he broke his pelvis, and, and then his, his pelvis severed the main artery in his leg, and he bled out, like, in a couple minutes on the picnic table in the park. And just, like, internally, just, like, he's, like, he's not doing good, he's not doing good, maybe we should call somebody, he's already dead. I mean, just, like, boom, gone. And so what if, what if I had not, Listen to that voice. What if I was not bold? I mean, just think, if that kid's eternity was on the line and I was too worried about what he thought of me, where would that kid be today? Like, he needed to hear it twice. If he only had a month left and he only heard it once, but then he went home and he pondered it and he just didn't, you know, I just don't know about that. But he heard it boldly from someone who didn't give a rip about what he thought about him, who was actually, he was trying to make fun of but turned around with the boldness of Christ, shared what he needed to hear in that moment to go home, reflect on it that night, come back the next day, hear it again. I mean, there's multiple people in your life that are going to need to hear it multiple times, and they might not be ready where they're at right now, but you got to think, oh, hey, God, if you're telling me to share this, am I going to be obedient to share it? And the thing is, you got to have God's word in you to actually share what God wants to say. If you don't have God's word in you, you're not filled up. And, you know, at least Second Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer. Like, that's where we got to be. We got to be always be prepared to give an answer. And so when you're prepared to give an answer and the Lord opens up the door for that, the Lord's going to use it because the word says that God's word will never come back void or another word version will say empty so i shared it it did its work i mean and now we you know i totally believe the the pastor totally believes that that kid's with the lord i mean he was going to church he was like asking questions he's digging in and then he's gone but the crazy thing is like well that's not a sad story i mean it's unfortunately he died as a young kid but 
he's with the Lord. Yeah. You know, and so that's like, that's all we got to do. We got to be bold and we got to take the opportunities and we got to take our talents and we got to like put them to work because time is fading away. And even the opportunities to share are becoming harder and harder. Um, as we were talking about schools earlier, just how it's getting harder to like, you know, share and use those opportunities in schools to build to, you know, be light there. So yeah. that's crazy. That's tough. So when the, the transition as we go back to when you had the halo on and the pit bull came after you, which was, you know, basically God had showed you that was going to happen before. And now it did happen. But that was kind of, was that, that was the aha moment right there. Of like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. I, I mean, there was, a, there, there, there wasn't even a, a question in my mind. It was like God telling me like, I'm, my life's out of control. I know I'm supposed to be living for him. And you know what? You know, so there was also kind of a time where I picked up a Thrasher magazine, which my mom appropriately called Trasher. And uh, it's very satanic at the core because they use satanic symbols all through it. And people think, oh, it's just for shock factor. But no, I mean, shockingly, they're they're following the devil, you know, and, and, and nobody cares. So I had a subscription to this magazine, and this one guy got Skater of the, Skater of the Year that year, and he shared his faith through it. And so I took that magazine to, to my mom. I was like, look, mom. I can skate and live for God, for God too. And she's like, well, please start. Who was that skater? Uh, Solomon Aga. Yeah. And so, yeah, he got scared of the year. And, and uh, so, yeah, pray for Solomon. Uh, he needs to come back to the Lord. And, and uh, yeah, he, he made a big, big difference in my life. And so, essentially, Solomon has made a big difference in the skate culture. I mean, uh, the Lord used Solomon in big ways. And, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, it was an instant transfer i mean you quit the weed like it was you dropped the I, line i struggled there, i struggled there? with weed for a bit um one of the they were, <laughs> the lord really kind of brought it to a head i was actually at woodward's gay camp so i ended up i mean i have a thousand testimonies but um i ended up at Woodward's gay camp through the lord opening doors there next year praying god if you want me to use this for your glory and for honor and back skateboarding back snowboarding i want to use it for your glory but you have to i'm you know i'm in a barn in maine saying, God, use me by myself. Like, how am I going to get out there, Lord? Then that Monday, Martin Luther King Day, 11 or 1030 at night, this guy, Ozzy Osbourne, calls up my parents. I mean, this is like, you know, like rotary dial phone time. It's like, like most of you have no idea what I just said. But go find like an antique phone with a rotary like button thing that you don't even know how to use. It has to go in circles. Um, and that's like the phone that like, I got called on. It's like my, they woke up my parents. Like it's it's ten thirty at night. You don't make calls yeah. at this point in time. To make a call after nine was so faux pas. Just like don't you don't do that. Yeah. It's rude. You had, like unless it was an emergency, you don't call. This guy's in, he's in Pennsylvania. We're in Maine. It's like there's no reason for him to call. It's ten thirty at night, holiday, and he calls. He's like my parents. Say hey, I got this application from Judd last year. Um, I'm just wondering if he might like to come to camp this year. Now. And all the time I've been at, or went to Woodward, we didn't call people from the last year's application. It's like you had an application in that year or you didn't get called. You know, it's just like, so Ozzy called me up, called my parents, got them out of bed. My mom came, got me out of bed. It's like, there's this guy, Ozzy from Woodward Skate Camp on the phone. Like, give me the phone, you know, like Woodward. So yeah, they, they offered me a job when it came time to get there. I had a hitchhike there. And so I uh, got there early from camp. I, I didn't know how long it would take me. So I hitchhiked, 
got there on uh, on Wednesday because the milk truck driver uh, basically he was going to Pennsylvania doing another run. So through the milk truck driver on the farm, I got a ride to Pennsylvania, and then um, through him after like unloading a whole load semi load of toilet paper, he got me in another guy's truck, which I rode around him all day, and then dropped me on on the other side of like Penn's Valley, like down by Woodward in, in Pennsylvania. And then I, I didn't really know what the day was. I, I kind of lost track of t- time already, but I like kind of hitchhiked over from there, got there, and it was morning. And I was like, hi, my name's Jed Heald. I'm here for camp. And they're like, dude, camp doesn't start till Saturday. I was like, well, I just hitchhiked here from Maine, so I'm not going anywhere. And they're like, oh, have you had breakfast? I was like, no, <laughs> I've been hitchhiking. <laughs> I'm here now, though. Like, and so it's just like, well, come in and eat. And then I, the first thing I, I walk in, I meet my buddy, Nate Wessel, um, and this guy, Mark Poderski, and the other guys who are doing the work crew. I was like, we got a lot of work to do for camp starts. If you could help, that would be amazing. Like, yeah, put me in. And so right there, I mean, just like day one, and like, okay, Ben Plywood, the four-foot way, not the eight-foot way. Oh, that makes so much sense. You know, like, just like, you know, like some of the most simple things that you just don't know until someone says, don't do that. You're like, oh, yeah. And so I got to learn how to build with, like, the best in the world. And then, you know, now I've traveled for years building, you know, stuff for Palau and, and different places. And then, uh, you know, now now John Anders is, is the biker, and they take all the bikers, and, they you know, they don't care. They don't need the skaters anymore. They just, like, take the bikers because they can go do it on dirt. And they're like, oh, we don't need a four. We need to do the bikers. So, John's the man now. He gives you some off-road wheels for your skateboard. Yeah, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you made the change. So go back and as we, way at the beginning, you talked about you coming off of the, was it a, a silo or was it a, a barn on the snow? Right, yeah, a hay barn. That, yeah. That's, that's where we we jumped into the broken neck from there. Tell us more about that that event and the uh what, what that magazine layout was like. So the magazine was called concussion magazine and it was actually, um, it was, it was run by sessions apparel, which the sessions was out of like Janus Valley. It was like, um, you know, like Santa Cruz. Yeah. So basically if you're driving through Santa Cruz, you, you know, sessions was right there. It was like right on the highway. You could like see it off. And it's like, Whoa, sessions. And, and so in the magazine sessions was a big deal. And, and through like, after I had got back skating, um, there was an East coast rep that through some of my friends, like some of my friends were pro snowboarders. They were just like, look, Judd's back. And he's like coming back hard. Like we just need to help Judd get some sponsors. So through like the East coast rep, uh, they just call up grind King, call up, you know, like at the, at that point it was like SD was owned by sessions. And, um, yeah, so they kind of got me in with all those are like, here, call these guys, call these guys, call these guys. I've already talked to them. You're in. And it was just like flip a switch. And I was sponsored, like had all this stuff. And, and um, so Sessions had this magazine called Concussion, and I sent them some photos of the different stuff. And they're like, dude, this is crazy. Like, can you send a photo of your, you being in your halo too? And it's like, oh, yeah, sure. And so I sent it, and it was like, yeah, right there. And wow, I'm in a magazine now. Like, And then it just kind of, as those guys, like, you know, started printing ads, and the more the more stuff I would, you know, get to them, the more stuff times I would, you know, get in the magazines. And, you know, I that was the dream. I mean, that was like, as far as the dream went, like get in the magazines, be a pro. And, 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 you know, I, it took me a while to turn pro. I actually, Woodward actually forced my entry because I was on the building team, um, building other ramps. There was a B3 contest coming through and we built for 12 weeks straight, uh, to prepare for that contest happening at Woodward. And what happened is I, you know, I we're getting done and I'm getting close. I'm like, you know, talk to Ed Isabel, one of the owners. And it's like, Ed, is there any chance I could skate this contest? And I'm like, Jeff, if you want to skate the contest, you got to be able to skate the contest. I'm like, well, okay. So the way it comes back to me is that 
you know, whatever they have their meeting with ESPN and we've built all these ramps for this, this thing. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. And we have this, uh, we have this one skater who wants to skate the contest. Um, and they're like, well, is he probably like, no, he's sponsored and all that. But you know, we want him to be able to skate the contest. Like we want him to be able to skate the contest. And they're like, well, if he's not pro, like, you know, it's a pro contest. And they're like, well, let's put it this way. Um, he skates the contest or there's no contest. <laughs> we'll give him his minute. You know, like whatever. And what's a minute, you know, like, and so, yeah, uh, basically what happened is came up to the contest. And, we, and I was surviving off these power naps. So, I mean, we're building like crazy to get done for the contest, which always is like that. Any contest is always like right up to the minute. Like you're basically, okay, you know, like sweep it off and guys are like need to get their runs going. And so that's just how it always is. And this was like 12 weeks up to that point. I was surviving off these bike power naps. So I did my qualifying run, qualified fifth. And then I had a, they said, okay, this is when we're going to open up practice for your groups because Board Bikes and Blades was the contest, like B, ESPN B3. So they had, you know, they're filming all these different guys on the courses and going to these different areas. And this is your time when you can practice for the finals. So you come back and you show up and that's when you can skate. Well, so I go take a nap because I like need it to survive and get back to the, to the course. And they're like, where have you been? We've been looking for you. It's time for your run. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you said this is this is when practice starts. I'm like, no, no, uh, rain's coming, so we have to push push up the whole schedule. We've been looking for you. I was like, well, I was in my bunk, so you didn't look that hard. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. So basically, for my first uh, pro contest finals run, I just woke up from a nap, and my my run started like rolling in from this twelve foot tall roll in at like a five foot tall box jump with a ten foot top. Like, I mean, it's it's like full commitment thing when you're warmed up, you're like, okay, I got this, you know, but to just like wake up and do it was like, well, this is what I've been training for my whole life. So there's just, it's just on button. And that run landed me. I ended up dropping one spot to sixth, but, uh, that turned me pro, you know, just like woke up from an app and turned pro. And so, uh, you know, the span was like, look, you know, if you accept this check, you are a professional skateboarder. Like you can't go back and, and compete in amateur skateboard. And I was like, well, I never got paid there. So give me the check, you know? Like, and then I had, a, I was riding for this group called Man of Skateboards. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, we'll back you up. We'll get, you know, we'll do it, put a board out for sure. Like, and then it was on. I was just like, all right, Lord. Did you see yeah. Man of Skateboards? Man of Skateboards. Yeah. Like, like, uh, yeah, Man from the Bible. Like God yeah. rained down Man for the Israelites in the de the, desert. When they're in the desert. Yeah. yeah. We should have named it Blessings because, dude, the whole time we are just like, nothing came down unless what was for that day. It was just like, oh, no, Lord, where is it? And then it would just like show up in your hand as you're trying to like pay or something like that. But um, it was always just just enough, but never, never more than. So, you know, be careful what you name things. You know, it's like, name <laughs> means a lot. <laughs> I mean, look at kids. I mean, you, if you go around, just look at kids and like look at their names and, uh, you know, just uh, see see how that person acts. And, you, yeah. Right. There's, there's something to it, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> so man, this has been, this has been awesome. We're kind of, we're coming towards the end of the time. And I always like to ask people if, if there's one thing that you want to leave with the listeners. And, and I like, I think with you, uh, more specifically, what do you want to leave with the unbelievers? Cause I, f I feel like for some reason, I, I feel like we're, we're pushing this way, but I feel like there's going to be, we're going to start getting more of those listeners. We're pushing yeah. It. What do you I mean, want to say to those? I guess you just have to stop and just realize there are things going on outside of what you've ever thought about. And even if someone has pushed you away from the Lord and made you think God's not real because this person did this, 
you have to stop and think, is your whole perception of who God is off a person? And if it's off a person, then have you really even considered who God is? Because if, like the Bible says, and I fully believe it, and I've seen it lived out in my life, and seen people healed, and I've, man, I've seen stuff like God's moving in this world. His like hand is at work, and um, it's not a, it's not a mistake that you're hearing this now. That He has a plan for your life, but it's just when will you reach out to Him and and consider Him and and ask Him to come into your life? Because if He's not real, then it doesn't. It's not you know. It's not going to be anything. But if you actually pursue him and he shows up, what then? Because, I mean, dude, I was lost, like fully lost, like going down a road to destruction. And you're going to hear that from lots of people. And then you're going to hear, you know, people who just, man, they never veered off course and praise the Lord. And, you know, they got special robes in heaven for that. You know, like <laughs> I was reading this morning, you know, just the, the special linen for those who never defiled themselves. And, um, yeah, but, you know, like, man, God has a plan for your life, and, and I just want to challenge you, say, you know, seek him. The Bible says, ask and receive. Matthew 7, 7, look at the word. Pick up the Bible. Read it for yourself. Ask and receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For anyone asks, receives. To him who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And when Jesus talks about openings, like uh, in Revelation, it says, you know, a door God opens, no man can shut. So you open that door. Just like people play with satanic stuff, they like get in and they open the door to stuff that you shouldn't be messing around with. God says, stay away from that. You know, don't mess with the occult. Don't mess with, you know, like divination. Don't don't play with Ouija boards. Like don't mess with that stuff. You're opening yourself up to like wickedness. So open yourself up to the Lord. Just consider him. Cry out to him. Talk to him. Because if he's not real, then, you know, whatever. It was just nothing. But if you seek him, and he shows up, I promise you, your life will never be the same. Yeah, that's good stuff. So we're so thankful to have you here today. It's been uh, it's been absolutely awesome. Um, how can listeners look you up? Yeah, I mean, it's just Judd Heald, J-U-D-H-E-A-L-D on Instagram or Facebook, um, Untitled Skateboards. It's just that same on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty easy guy to find. You just go look at it, you know, like skateboard ministry, look it up. I'll probably pop up somewhere in the feed. Uh, yeah, that's what we do. And also, if you're uh, if you're interested, I just put out a book. Uh, it's a 60-day devotional. You can pick it up on Amazon. It's called Core Faith. So if you're like, hey, what does that look like? Or maybe you just want something to start and you don't like know where to start in the Bible. I mean, if you have a Bible, pick it up, read John. Just start there, read the Gospels, get to know who Jesus is. And as you like go through the New Testament, you're going to get schooled. But if you're looking for something like, maybe I just want something extra or, or I don't know, uh, a diva, a devotional is something you pick up. It's got a it's got a, a scripture. And then, so like in my devotional, just like it's scripture. And then I just kind of share a word from, you know, what's how that's speaking to me. And then maybe an experience that the Lord's kind of like putting on my heart to talk about with that. And so there's a 60-day devotional called Core Faith. You can pick it up on Amazon. It's like seven bucks. Or you can get the Kindle version for three. So. Go check it out. Maybe that's something for you. Maybe you got a kid or a youth group or someone like that who that might be a blessing to. Yep, absolutely. So I, with that being said, I would challenge all of our listeners to share this podcast with somebody that you might know. Maybe somebody you skate with, ride bikes with, rollerblade with. I, I heard rollerblade is coming back in. Or you're on a scooter. 
share this episode. Somebody needs to hear this. Somebody you know needs to hear what Judd just said. And in the meantime, follow, share, like, subscribe, Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, all of our channels, fastlifeministries.com to give. And we thank Judd so much. We thank all of our listeners. Have a blessed day.